Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, joined as always by my partner, Will Schroeder, founder and CEO of Startups.com. Will, today we're going to talk about something that I, I think most founders struggle with, which is this idea that, you know, are we a separate entity from our startup? Is our startup a separate entity from us? Uh, what's your experience been, man? I, I, I know for me it was, it, it was harder in the beginning getting it easier now, but like, what, go back in time to like the first couple and, and take me through it. You know, I think what happens is that we sort of get lulled into it because it, I, I think, Ryan, you and I have talked about this. I think that birthing a startup in many ways feels like birthing a child. It's something you feel <laughs> is so inherently tied to you. And it is, it's your creation. And, and that's wonderful. I think the problem is it kind of creeps up on you in that we start with this great idea and we start to develop it. We start to tell people about it. We start to get attached to it. And yeah. we, we, we present it as ours. We don't just present it as a thing. We don't present it as a product. When we go to work for a company, like I used to work uh, for this sandwich shop in Connecticut. And I didn't go there saying, these are my sandwiches. This is my <laughs> idea. I was just like, this is a crappy job where I have to make sandwiches. They're Obviously, wasn't a Subway then, because then you would have felt like a sandwich artist. No, no, I was not a sandwich artist, but this was way better than Subway. Uh, but regardless, like there was no ownership. There was no pride. And therefore, right. There, th right. there was no attachment in quite the same way. What ended up happening is, when I started my first company, uh, again, this came out of nowhere because I had no context for it. People would ask me about it. And at first, I, I was just talking about something I was doing. There was a bit of detachment. Yep, yep. But you remember, over time, I started talking about it as an extension of myself. And that's where all the problems began, right? That's right. where, uh, when it wasn't going well, it was no longer a problem at the company. It was a reflection of me. And it happened to be having uh, working at the, at the company. And it killed me. And, and I can't imagine your process was any different. No, no, it wasn't. It really wasn't at all. You know, the, the, the birthing the startup analogy is, is a good one. We've, we've both birthed, well, we have not. Our wives, <laughs> blessedly, have done <laughs> this for us. That, yeah. Um, yeah, they would dispute our, our involvement in this. Um, but we have been through the process of, of bringing a child into the world, bringing startups into the world. And it's, it's a solid analogy because especially in the beginning, um, their identity is entirely wrapped up in you. They're, they're, and, and yours in, in, in them, right? Like all of a sudden, you know, it goes from like, uh, you know, look at my, my Facebook feed back in time, right? It was like, I was at this cool place. I was at that cool place. I was at this sporting event. I was at that sporting event. Pictures of my kid, picture of my kid, picture of my kid, picture of my kid, right? It just, it changes overnight. Like all yeah, of a sudden it just becomes yeah, all about that um, with good reason, right? And and startups are very, very much the, the same. Um, it, there's an interesting period where I, I think like it's super heightened right at the beginning. When it's just an idea, it literally doesn't exist outside of you. So how could you separate it? When it's just an idea and that's, the that's only fair. way that it manifests itself is when we talk about it to other people, uh, that, that's the only time that it has any reality that exists outside of your own head. And I think that sets the stage for them. And that's a societal thing, right? Like we, you know, when actually I found out this isn't necessarily true globally, but in the US, it's a really common question. So what do you do? Right. Right. I'm an accountant. There's no follow-up question to I'm an accountant, right? 
nobody gives a shit. But if you say, oh, I'm starting this company that does X, Y, Z. Sorry, accountants. I don't, I don't mean to bash on you. It wasn't, we love you. It wasn't me taking a shot at accountants. Yeah, it was yeah. just like, it, people understand it, right? Yeah, the same thing if you say, I'm, I'm you know, I'm a, a, a family physician, right? Right. They don't know everything you do, but they get a sense for it. You're like, yeah, uh, you know, I'm, 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 start, I'm working on a, uh, a, a financial mediation startup. And they're like... Hey, what the hell is that, right? right? Like, what does it do? Like, and then you start to explain it, right? And you start to explain then the why you're doing it. And, and all of these things, really everything that you're explaining at that early stage is some reflection of you. Correct. Right? Because there's a reason that you started this business. There's a reason you decided this was what you wanted to chase down. There's a reason you're spending your energy on it. Um, and then I think there's this little period, you know, you know as things start to gain some traction, where that potentially could fade away a little bit as things start to happen and, and it isn't just in your head and it is existent in the world. Um, but I don't think most of us recognize that at an early stage and, and do anything about it. We, we just still continue to think of it as, as you know, it's, it's a direct reflection of me. You know, in the same way, like we go back to the, the kids analogy, right? So when you're holding the sweet baby and it's just smiling, it's a wonderful reflection of what a wonderful parent you are and everybody looks at you and sort of nods and smiles. When you've got the kid who's screaming and throwing jars of jelly across the aisles <laughs> in, in the store, also a reflection on you, right? right? right and right. there are plenty of analogs between, uh, you know, broken jars of jam and, and, and startup companies, right? Doesn't always go well. In fact, like you said, 99% of the time, it's not going well, and 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 that reflects, uh, or we allow it to reflect on us as founders. Well, I think that's the problem, though, because we're talking about being attached to the startup from the very beginning. Yeah. What we don't talk about is what the cost of that attachment is invariably going to be. Right. And here's the problem: nothing goes well. It's, <laughs> I, I, it, it cracks me up because when people start companies, mind you, they've never done it before, so none of us have any idea what we're getting into or what's yep. about to happen. At least when we take a job, somebody probably did that job before us and will likely do it after us. There's a set of parameters. Everybody kind of knows what they're supposed to be doing. In this yes. case, as we described, you're running into the abyss. So every single thing we're about to do, we're likely going to do wrong because it's never been done right yet. And exactly. yet, And yet, all of us as founders, rightfully so because we're perennial optimists, we all believe that our startup should just be going right all the time. The hires should have been right. Our market fit should have been right. Our marketing should have been right. Everything should have been right. <laughs> when in <laughs> yeah. fact, that's impossible, right? Right. You're lucky if one of those things is going half right. Well, correct. And so, but, but that's where it breaks. And I think that's, that's the inflection point that none of us are aware of until it actually happens. And I bet there's some folks listening right now kind of shaking their head a little bit going, you know what, now that you mentioned that, it did yeah. sound awesome and it was great and positive to be attached to it in the early stages when nothing was broken yet. Yeah. It became exponentially harder when things started to break and that was attached to me. And let me, yeah. let me say that just a little bit differently for a second. If everything in your startup was just going to always go right, by all means, attach yourself to your startup. Right? Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. But also, it, call it, us and tell us about yeah, it. Can we join? Want to hear this story? The problem is 99% of the time, that's not what's happening. 99% right. of the time, shit's gone bad. And yep. when, when shit's gone bad and 
our entire ego and persona and sense of self-worth is attached to that that cart, we're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. You know, the other thing that just occurred to me, you know, going back to that stage where it really does only exist in your head, right? Nothing really goes wrong, right? You exactly. may have some doubts or some questions, but like, it's all just fun and theory at that point, right? And of course it feels good. And, and so there's, there's probably, you know, a a dose of, of dopamine that we get from just going through that repeatedly, explaining it to people, telling them how awesome it's going to be, getting all amped up about it, which of course we have to do. But I think the, the extent, the depth to which we buy into that as founders is part of what sets us up for the fall when invariably things become real and do start to go wrong, right? It's like, they go back to the kids analogy, right? We're pregnant. People are giving us gifts. Everybody's high-fiving me. I'm decorating a nursery. This is wonderful. Fast forward a couple of months, this thing just shit on me. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know when to feed it. It won't stop crying, yeah. right? It's no longer as much fun right. um, all the time, right? So well, we, we have to be careful how we set ourselves up for this. And I, I think particularly for first-time founders, it's really important to remember uh, it, it's it's kind of like, and I, I talk to people when they're about to graduate college about this all the time, and they're like, you know, I got all these, all this stuff's happening. I'm about to complete university. This is gonna be awesome. I'm like, you realize this is when work starts, right? Like it's, you know, you don't realize it yet, but this was a relatively easy period in your life. Yeah, you may have worked hard during university, but like this is still the theoretical period. From this point forward, there's gonna be some work involved, right? And it's not always gonna be fun and awesome. Um, not to, you know, dissuade them or turn down their enthusiasm, but to meter it a little bit, you know, with, with some reality, which as founders, we don't get, right? You know, you were talking before about, you know, if it's something that's been done a hundred thousand times before, there's a pattern to follow, right? And you and I both do other things in our lives that are outside of, you know, the work we do in startups, um, that, you know, some of it's creative, but a lot of it is still like, it follows patterns, right? You do carpentry. I'm a fisherman, right? These are both things that, yes, they require skill, but there are also a lot of other skilled people doing exactly the same thing that we can pattern after, that we can watch, that we can sort of, you know, trail into. Same thing with people exiting university. The problem for young founders or new founders, whether you're young or old, is that you don't necessarily have that peer and that leadership, and you don't have anybody to tell you, hey, don't get yourself completely wrapped up in this thing. Don't let this thing become you. Don't become this thing. And I think that that's a huge failure just in the community in general, not to help people have a better perspective on this from that early stage. I think it breaks in a few ways too, because, okay, I think we've established the fact that attaching yourself to a startup uh, is, a, is like chaining yourself to a sinking ship and wondering why you're drowning. Right. <laughs> there's there's this wasn't how it was supposed to work. But 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 let me step back for a second and say there's also a separation between who we are as people, and you just touched on this a second ago, and the work we perform. Exactly. But you said something interesting. I didn't think about it until you just said it. You said that um uh you know, early in our careers, let's say we weren't let's say fathers yet. At that time, our work was kind of the only thing that we were doing. You know, I, right. I think parenthood was was interesting for me, and I, and I, I think I'm speaking for you, in that it, it gave us something else to be, that was more important for the first time, like significantly more important. 
And uh, we realized that there are more than one thing that we should orbit around at that point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and, and it wasn't until that separation first started to exist that I realized, huh, I'm, I'm Will. I'm not just a founder of a company. Um, there's lots of other parts of me. And this company is something that I do. It's not who I am. And, yeah. and I think it's, I don't treat it as a job. I, I care about it the, the way an artist cares about what they, you know, what they paint. Correct. However, I have to realize that the art is just art. You know, it's a, it's a canvas with paint on it. It's not yep. literally me. If the painting exactly. burns, I'm fine. Right. Yeah. The, the, the reasons, you know, we can, we can justify it a lot of ways. The reasons that we, we do get wound up in our startups are valid, right? Uh, because we do put more care into it than the sandwich that you made back in the sandwich shop in Connecticut. Um, the, the ability to allow ourselves to be absorbed or to be united with the business is there. It doesn't mean that it's less important to, I don't want to say avoid that, but it, to at least limit it to acknowledge it, to understand it, right? It's very easy to do in the sandwich shop. It is very hard to do when it's something that you conceived and then have, have, have gone through blood, sweat, tears, and lots of other opportunity costs in order to make the startup a reality. And, and this is, you know, again, it's part of that you use the word orbit. Startups have a ton of gravity. Yeah, they do. Right? Whereas a lot of the other things we do in life may have less gravity, right? Parenthood, a lot of gravity, right? You know, relationships, marriage, a lot of gravity. The other things that we do, a little less gravity. And so, you know, they, we, can, we can spin further out of their orbits and not feel it nearly as much um, and get sucked back into our startup and, and get myopic again. Um, and so I think it just takes a fairly, uh, well, first it takes the understanding that you should be doing this, right? It takes somebody telling you, Hey, look, you don't have to be your startup. In fact, you're not right. But Here's, people probably need to hear that. The thing, Ryan, is you can't be. So let me tell this story because I, I think this will start to, to send it home. A lot of folks listening probably haven't gone through the entire startup life cycle yet. You know, they, ha they haven't yeah. necessarily started a company, um, and, and exit it for better or for worse. Meaning right. they haven't been through the whole life cycle and on to the next one and on to the next one. When I was building my first startup, it was the only view of the world I had. In my <laughs> right. mind, right, this was the only job I was ever going to have. The success yep. or failure of this was the only thing that was going to define me. And that was it. So it's fair to say that all of my ego all of myself was tied to this because I yeah. hadn't been around long enough to see anything else. It reminds me of my son who's four. In the moment he needs something, it's all that he knows. He has no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. He has very little sense right. for what happened yesterday. He <laughs> yep. can only see this. What happened for me is that when the first company sold, up until that point, I was thinking if we just did this, if we just did this, if we just did this, one of those things will 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 validate my ego. And that's really what we're right, talking right. about, right? Yep. And it never happened. And so the company sells, it sold for a lot, made no impact on me whatsoever. I didn't feel any yeah. different. I was talking to a friend of yep. mine uh, a couple weeks ago, and he sold his company for a billion dollars, raised no money. And he said the same thing. He said, funny thing. After I sold, nothing changed. Now, we talk about this, but in this case, I just want to talk about the, the self-worth part. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. The implication when we're beating ourselves up about things going negative is that when they go positive, we'll have validated ourselves, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, shit. Someone... And I get to wear the crown around yes. and then people acknowledge it and all of a sudden I feel better about myself and everybody looks up to me. And, and, and what if I could tell you that every single person I've ever spoken to, myself included, felt almost no validation on the successful completion of that cycle? Which Dude, is to, which is know, to imply. You know I remember feeling. <laughs> I, I remember feeling it wasn't validation. I remember in selling the first one was a bit of relief. Sure. Right. And and now that we're talking about it, it makes sense because at that point, it did. Now there was this period. And we've talked about this in another podcast. We did an entire episode on this around like that. You know what happens when we exit the startup and like what do we do with ourselves? Right. It's particularly when we are all wrapped up in it. There was that period of, you know, depression, anxiety, you know, listlessness, um, just sort of directionless floating where I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, but right alongside that, there was definitely a sense of relief. Sure. Right? But to your point, not a sense of validation. I wasn't like, hell yeah, I did it, I did it. Now I got my thing and now I can move forward. It's not what it felt like at all. There was a little bit of relief from I, I no longer have to be completely tied up in that. Because that was the other thing is that even at points where I did feel that and did understand that perhaps I was too wound up in this thing and I was making it too much about me, I didn't know how to undo that. Well, right. So even after the realization, I didn't know how to extricate myself from the startup. There isn't a single requirement or inclination through this entire journey that would suggest that you detach yourself ever. Yeah, exactly. Every single aspect to what we do only implies that you're going to you're going to get more invested. And so there is no juncture where someone steps in and says, "Hey, you know, Ryan, you should probably just take some time to yourself and not worry about the startup anymore." <laughs> I mean, it literally never happened. <laughs> nope. Didn't hear that. Right. And so we're caught in this really self-inflicted prison. And the self-inflicted is the important part there, not the prison. We're we're in the self-inflicted prison where we say I am stuck to this startup. How it performs is a measure of of myself. And if I if I fail, I'm a failure. Uh, yes. It's not that the startup fails. It's I'm a failure. It'd be equivalent failure. of yep. like, Ryan, you play soccer. You don't like to lose. But I'm guessing don't. the next day, you don't sit there and be like, I'm less of a human because we lost that game yesterday. Well, yes and no. So I, I, I've continued to tell the story about the the season opener from last season um, where I, I made a great hustle play towards the end of the game and I, I missed the goal. Like it, it was by all rights, I had earned it. I had, I had beat the last defender. I was in just me and the goalie and I just shanked the thing wide of the goal. I still revisit that moment with fair frequency and I know that I shouldn't. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm trying to use it as a motivator. It's a horrible motivation. <laughs> Luckily, I'm not attaching my, my self-worth to it. But boy, it can be hard to let go of those moments, particularly when they're like that crystal, right? Like yeah, if it's well, a, I'm going to pass up on an offer to, to sell my startup and then I never get another one, right? You don't forget that moment in time. Right? Yeah, that, it, one, that one sticks around. We're not advocating uh, being devoid of emotions. What, what we're saying is that our self-worth isn't attached to it, right? Correct. Um, you're, there's no reason it can't piss you off that, that, that you might have shanked the ball. What what you're not saying is Ryan's no longer a good person. Here's an example. 
No, the rest of my team was saying that, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I firmly disagreed with them. <laughs> so here, here's an example. I've been to countless founder dinners, and I know you have too, and I have one of two conversations, either the conversation where the startup's going well or the conversation where the startup's going poorly. Yep. Um, or more likely, the conversation where the startup actually is going poorly, but the, the founder's trying to explain oh, how well it's doing. Oh, buddy. Right? That one's, that one's tough. Which, yeah. which look, we're all eternal optimists, so sometimes it's just yep. you know, our, our self-delusion. But here's the thing. When I ask, hey, how, th- how are things going? The first implication is that I mean at your startup. Yeah. So, so uh, hey, uh, growth is great, up and to the right, you know, yada, yada. And I always follow it up by saying, I didn't mean your startup. How are you doing? Yeah. And, and he, the same reaction every time. They spill their drink. They're like, wait, what? Yeah, right, right. First off, no one ever asked that, right? Because no one really cares. Uh, and they yep. should, but they don't. Um, and the second is they rarely have an answer for that. They're like, uh, actually, not great. I was talking to a friend of mine a couple of days ago, and she was, I asked her, I was, hey, how are things going? She's like, oh, things are going great. You know, business is great. I was like, how are you doing? She's like, oh, well, terrible. And then I went on this whole other tangent. And yeah. so... I guess uh, my my thought process there is that when you when you talk to founders, we've been almost so conditioned to express how we're doing, aligned with how our startups doing, that we almost forget that they're two separate things. I, how yeah. often do you say do you talk to a startup founder and, and say, "Hey, how are things going?" And they say, "Well, startups tanking, but man, my life has never been better. <laughs> like that, like never <laughs> right. happens, right?" Um, yeah. And, and, and every now and then again, someone will have enough uh, self-reflection to be able to say, you know, it's been a tough year for the startup, but I just had this, this new child, and, you know, so it's a, it's a miracle, and, you know, they, they kind of want to talk about that a little bit. Um, but, but something interesting happens when you've been through this cycle enough times, and I really want to dig into this, you realize that you actually can't tie your sense of self to your startup. For example... When I sold the first startup, as you did, it's gone. Yeah. I can attach myself to it all I want. It's actually gone. Right? Yeah. It's not mine it's anymore. Not right? yours. And, and you scratch your head, and I've got a, a few friends who've actually built really large companies, thousands of employees. And right up until the day they sold, they were like the god within that organization. Like everyone right. looked up to them. And then they sold. And then they were just another person. Yep. I hear this a lot from uh, folks that are like uh, CEOs of massive companies, like like a like a GE or a Disney. Where like uh, one day I had you know a hundred thousand people reporting to me, the next day not even my secretary is calling me. Right, like it's just this this dramatic shift. And in that moment, we realize because we have no choice that it was never ours. It was never ours in the sense that um, it was who we are. It was something we created but it was independent of us. It was the yeah. piece of art on the wall, and that art can be moved, sold, burned, what have you, but it's not us. You're absolutely right, Will. You know, and, and while I do think of myself as a, as a thing of beauty and a piece of art, um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> and my wife has often uh, threatened to nail me to a wall, uh, yeah, we, we, we are not the thing. Um, but let's, let's spend a little time now talking about some healthy habits. Like what are some what are some things that we can do as founders for ourselves and and maybe more importantly for for other founders because you know as as, as we're working hard right now to 
um, to build out bigger and bigger, wider and wider uh, founders' communities globally. Um, this is super germane. I mean, this is literally one of the things that we're, we're working on at startups.com right now. Um, and it's, it's been sorely missing, but like as, as these groups come together, uh, because historically we're horrible at this type of self-reflection, right? So rather than thinking about what can we do for ourselves as founders, what can we do for other founders? So as we join these groups, as we become part of the founder community, um, which sometimes happens organically, um, but you know, if it's not, then you should seek it out. It's an important piece of survival as a founder. Um, what can we do, uh, to help folks to separate themselves from their startups and, and to understand the importance and validity of doing that? You know, <laughs> the, the one that I use most, I kind of referenced it a second ago, how are you? And sometimes I even have to preface that by, I don't care about your startup right now. How are you? Yeah. To be fair, it's such a cool question to ask anybody, but I think that you have to be more deliberate about it with a startup founder because you know that's not the answer they're about to give you. It's not. Right? It's not. And, and giving them an, an open road as well as permission, so to speak, to speak openly about how they feel, I've never asked that question to have somebody go, oh, yeah, I, I just don't want to talk about it. I mean, unless they actually didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. 100% of the time when I ask the question, they say, uh, wow, thanks for asking that because no one's been asking me that. So this is, this is a different way of saying when you're talking to other founders – Keep in mind, no one generally cares how they are doing. Just try to separate the two. If you're at that that founder dinner, of, of which there's a million, and the person's going on about their, their one mobile app that nobody cares about, not knocking their mobile app in this context, um, ask them how they're doing. You know, hey, so what do you do when you're not building your startup? Yeah, it, it, which is, yeah. as you can appreciate, sometimes a funny answer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, but what, I guess, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, right. uh, but I guess what I'm saying is uh, I've had the most productive conversations with other founders by orders of magnitude when I step behind the startup and I say, okay, cool, we can get to that whenever you're ready. How are you doing? Um, you know, uh, where are you on the emotional scale, one to ten, right? Uh, and start opening up that conversation. Um you know, you mentioned this, right? It's what we do in our founder groups that we put together. You know, we put, as yeah. folks know, we put together these eight-person founder groups. We get together once a month, and we dig into hard stuff. And people are incredibly honest. And the first question we always ask is, what's keeping you up at night? Yeah. Uh, um, Ryan, as you can imagine, uh, first thing people answer is, well, it's our customer acquisition strategy, and we can't, or we can't right. find funding. I was like, that wasn't really the question, although that might be the answer. Um, the question is, what's keeping you up at night? Like, it, and we deliberately separate, uh, you're here as a founder, not as a startup ambassador, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I can Im- I'm sure you've seen this, the conversation changes so dramatically. It becomes so much more real. Yeah, real and personal and, and honest. Um, I, I think that it's, it's another, you know, just manifestation of the startup world, but and not not that we're you know a bunch of pathological liars, but as we've both said before, we're eternal optimists, right? right? And sometimes we have to keep talking about things as if they will be true, or talking about them as if they are true. When what we're really saying is we hope this will become true, right? And and so I think that you know that tends to start to flavor conversation and response um, in in an almost path, almost pathological way, right? We're just conditioned to respond 
in in ways where all things go back to the startup and everything's okay. Um, even if we ask about the problems, right? We we tend to to downplay those, but we never turn the corner fully to look back at ourselves, right? It never really goes there, right? It's never. I'm, you know, what's keeping you up at night? Customer acquisition. Well, that may be true, but why are you worried about that, right? Why is that affecting you at such a personal level, um, you know, that it's that it's keeping you up at night, right? This is where that separation between the business and the founder becomes so critical uh, because if you can't see that and if you are, again, attaching, you know, your enough of your psyche, your ego to that, that you're literally losing sleep over. Now, there are times and there are problems that, that require that level, right? But you're absolutely right that we need to dig in personally, get people talking about themselves. Um, because to the, to the degree that, you know, the startups are a manifestation of the founder, um, you know, they're not one and the same thing. But looking at yourself and being honest about where you are physically, mentally, emotionally, um, has an impact, right? If, if you're going to say on one hand that all I am is my startup, then why do we spend so little time looking at ourselves right, and caring about ourselves? Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think so <clears throat> once we start to realize that we actually can't be our startup as much as we'd like to be, I think that alone creates some, some necessary separation. I think the second part is starting to, to teach others and teach ourselves how to have conversations about the difference, the delta between us and our startups recognizing that, yes, I'm working on the startup and it might become a big thing someday, but that's actually not who I am. That's just that's right. something that I create in the world. One of the things that's been super helpful for me, is the reason I got into carpentry, is because I needed something to kind of remind me that the work that I do is just a separate thing, right? So like when I would go outside and I'd, I'd go into my workshop, I'd start building something. I didn't even really care what it was. I yeah. just wanted to be able to work on something and kind of get, to provide that creative energy, that that kind of um, productivity on something where there's just no way I could really attach my sense of self-worth, right? I just finished my deck. It's a sweet deck, but you know what? I'm not that hung up on it. If it was less right. of a sweet deck, I wouldn't be like crying about it. It wouldn't keep me up at <laughs> night whatsoever. And it's because it's not who I am. It's an out, right. It's an output of what I do, but it's not who I am. And the more I start to attach that same reasoning and logic to my startup, the happier I become. It's actually just that simple. It, it, yeah. it, it, here's the caveat, Ryan. Last thought there. And it's going really well. The startup that, Ryan, that, that you and I work at is our dream job. It's going incredibly well. This isn't me chest pounding. I mean, we worked really hard for us to make this statement that you know, it wasn't always this way. Um, so it's, it's me saying I don't want to attach my sense of self to the startup even when it's going well, because I know there's no way to ever fix that problem if it goes anything other than well. That's a wrap for this episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan on behalf of my partner, Will Schroeder, and all the Startups.com family thanking you for joining us. And we hope you'll continue to join us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to Startup Therapy. You can find all of our episodes at startups.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more amazing resources to launch or grow your startup, be sure to head to startups.com and check out Startups Unlimited. It's everything we have to offer from our online university 
to our amazing community of experts and founders, and even all the tools we've built like BizPlan, Fundable, and LaunchRock. It's everything a founder needs. Visit startups.com slash begin. That's startups.com slash B-E-G-I-N. You'll thank me later. Thank you.